I'm back. Dragon Con was last weekend, and I'll talk about the video gaming that was done there. Plus, Sony has greatly raised the, pr- raised the price of PlayStation Plus. Is it still worth it? Tonight is September 10th, 2023, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. I am actually back. I'm actually here. Took two weeks off because of some hogwash. I'll get into that in a second. Hello, everybody. And welcome to a Dreamcast birthday edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. We did that with uh, we, we did that before the show. Uh, I didn't. I, it's not on the podcast because it's a video, uh, but I played a little bit uh, before the show. We'll get into that in a second, because if you are here live, thank you so much. We tape this show live, I would say, each and every Friday night or uh, Friday night. Let's try it again. We tape the show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Uh, but uh, it is a podcast, so I understand people can't be here on Sunday nights. Hell, I can't even be here most Sunday nights, apparently. Uh, and uh, we do tape the show. Uh, you can go to our Discord server, and you can participate back that way. Uh, so... Uh, go over to vognetwork.com slash discord. You can get into our discord server and uh, be uh, interact with us and uh, hear when the show is not going to happen. So uh, before I get into uh, the, the happiness, we'll, 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 we'll start with the why I wasn't here two weeks ago, because I had totally planned on being here two weeks ago and covering one of the topics that's actually on the list uh, tonight. Uh, but um, about uh, about five o'clock eastern so about three hours before the show uh i started having some very sharp abdominal pains uh and uh, it was so bad i couldn't sit for longer than like four minutes and then i was like well maybe if i lay down no i couldn't lay down it hurt that too uh so went to urgent care they're like go to the er uh so i was literally in the er when i would normally be on the show uh ct scan uh said uh yeah that's a it's a it's a kidney stone so uh, the CT scan showed a three millimeter kidney stone that uh, had uh, w- was very close to the end of its journey. And I had thought uh, that night, I'm like, oh, um, I, well, I felt better the next day uh, after that. And I'm like, oh, it must have passed. So uh, I was like, all right, cool. You know, thanks for ruining my Sunday night uh, right before Dragon Con. Uh, so I couldn't do a show. Uh, and... Um, but I was like, oh, I must have passed it at the at the ER because I feel fine today. Uh, everything, you know, the discomfort was gone. Uh, I thought that. And, um, uh, and, and and then I got to Dragon Con and then uh, the, the, the not the sharp abdominal pain, but other discomfort came back. Uh, and I did not take my medicine with me because I thought it was done. So thankfully, my wife is amazing and uh, took an Uber back home just to pick up my meds and bring them back uh, to, to the con. So I was able to kind of kind of pretty much enjoy the con. It was a, it was not the major pain. It was just discomfort because guess what? Uh, I hadn't passed it yet. Um, and uh, I finally passed it uneventfully last night. And uh, it was actually four millimeters, not three millimeters. So it was a little bit bigger than the scan showed. Um so uh and uh and and uh I actually didn't realize I had passed it. It it it, it was I'm not going to get into details of that or anything. Uh but it was kind of a surprise that it had happened. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Cool." Uh and E3VL asked, "Did you measure it?" I'm like, "Yes, because I've got a I had to put it in a little container so I could take it to the urologist so they can like scan it and figure out what caused it and tell me that I'm not allowed to drink soda anymore, which is probably what's going to happen." Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I, I still, I have it in a little, uh, little medical container that they had given me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, before I put it in there, I, I totally put a tape measure to it. 
and stuff. So uh, I feel great right now. Like, uh, so I am here. Uh, and so thank you for that. I will not be here in two weeks. Uh, so I'm going to be missing another show, but uh, for good reasons. And I'll tell you why when I get back um, and stuff. So uh, and, and and the Brickman says, oh, pop causes that kind of thing. Yeah, he's from the north. We call it Coke down here. Even Pepsi is called Coke where I'm from. Um, and uh, it's one of the causes. It can some like and what they can do is they, they actually look at the stone. They actually like look at it and they're like, oh, this is caused by this. Apparently, broccoli can also cause it. And I, I don't like broccoli. So I would love to be told by my doctor I can't have broccoli anymore. Uh, but that's probably not going to happen. But yeah, like soda and dehydration and other there are multiple different things. And they can look at the stone and figure out what actually caused it what in your diet or what what thing that you do uh causes it so anyway uh but let's talk about happier things the dreamcast it is september 10th on september 9th 1999 the dreamcast came out in the united states that's a long long time ago and the video i played at the beginning i'm actually very surprised i found it uh ign servers still have videos from 24 years ago because this was before youtube they did this video it was passed around a lot on message boards and live journal uh, back then because, like I said, YouTube didn't exist yet. And it was uh, a video of the Dreamcast and the PlayStation 2 having an argument. Uh, and the Dreamcast VMU keeps popping up and saying, what a disappointment. Uh, it was it was funny at the time, and uh, it has some peak 2000s humor. Uh, there's some, uh, you know, uh, Triumph the Insult comic dog reference because he was all the rage in 2000. Uh, in 1999 and, and all that stuff. So uh, I got to I, I played that in the beginning. And so we got on all into the Dreamcast spirit. And then uh, the PS2 obviously got the last laugh uh, with any of that, because um, while the Dreamcast was the better system technologically and easier to program for, Sony had the marketing. And also, uh, it was easy to burn games for the Dreamcast. The thing that I remember about the Dreamcast the most, or the Dreamcast culture, I'm going to say the Dreamcast culture, not necessarily the Dreamcast itself, because the Dreamcast had nothing to do with this, but I was at, at somebody's house a couple of years later, like 2004, 2005, and he was telling me how much he loved the Dreamcast, and he showed me his spindle of burned Dreamcast games. And uh, he looked at it, and he's like, man, it's a shame they stopped making games for this. I'm like, you didn't buy any of the games. Why would they make a game for a system that you even admit you never bought? He bought the system, he bought the controller, and he burned all the games. He he downloaded all the games off the internet. So uh, that's what I remember about the Dreamcast. And obviously the PS2 had the DVD player, uh, which you know every PS2, when it came out in 2000, uh, spawned a copy of The Matrix on DVD. That was it, that was the packing title. That was the Super Mario 64, the PlayStation 2, was The Matrix on DVD. I, I, the Dreamcast was great. Uh, from, from all intents and purposes, it was very easy to develop for. It actually had uh, Microsoft Windows CE, so it is even easier to develop for if people were Windows programmers. Uh, this was before the Xbox. And... Um, uh, that's uh, the the PS2 just had the better marketing. It had the DVD player and it had EA Sports. Uh, EA Sports choosing not to be on the Dreamcast was one of the things that killed it. Even though that got us NFL 2K, uh, that series which was actually better than Madden in uh, just about every single way. So, uh, yeah. So, but happy birthday to the Dreamcast. Uh, not here long enough. Uh, first gaming system that I first console I had that had a a, a modem built in. Uh, I had the X-Band for the Genesis, so technically I'd already done some of that stuff. But having the, the modem and playing Fantasy Star Online on it for the first time, uh, I actually took the Dreamcast with me on business trips because I didn't have a laptop, and I could use the modem over the phone lines in the hotel to uh, go to use the internet, use the web. Uh, and I took, I have the I have the keyboard, and I, th I think I even had the mouse, uh, or I, I don't think I had the mouse. I think I just used the controller as the mouse. Um, and uh, I would actually use it to browse the web and, and from, you know, hook it up to the TV and uh, in the hotel and use the hotel room to, uh, phone to do dial up. And I browse the Internet that way. So uh, when I was doing business trips, because uh, we, we didn't laptops were not uh, affordable back then. And my company wasn't going to pay me for me one. 
And uh, Dark Tatsia says, I remember using Net Zero when it was still a thing to connect to uh, Dreamcast Online that way. Yeah, uh, that's that's they had their Sega network, the Sega Net. Uh, I still have the Dreamcast browser CD. Um, Orange Wright says, Dreamcast was the first time I ever played a pirated game. Someone gave me a CDR of Capcom versus SNK. And uh, then a lot of people are outing themselves, but they were like, oh, they weren't selling them anymore when I burn all my games. And and the person I'm talking about did not. Like, that was not the case. They they bought a couple games in the beginning, and then they learned how easy it was to pirate them. And so they stopped. They were like, why would I pay for somebody at something I can get for free? Everybody, a lot of people loved the Dreamcast. And um, the Breakman says, the only thing that sucked about the Dreamcast was the battery life of the memory card. Yes, the VMU, because it had a screen, and you can even play games on the screen. Amazing. Uh, and it would even show things like on the screen based on the game you're playing. So if you're playing like Soul Calibur, it would show like a little pixel art of your character. Uh, and, and, and you could actually like on, on, on NFL 2K, you could choose your plays. See so the other people couldn't see them, uh, and stuff, but yeah, the CR 2032 batteries in those, uh, depleted really quickly. Didn't delete your saves, but that was just the little memory, uh, the, the VMU portion. I have my Dreamcast still. It works fine. Not every game I own works fine. Uh, I purchased, like, I've got Skies of Arcadia, which I never played. I got later in life. Uh, didn't burn it. I uh, actually bought it, but the CD is, uh, you know, scratched up enough that the Dreamcast can't read it. Uh, I think, like, a couple of years ago, I did, like, a stream on September 9th on Twitch on my personal channel. And I was like, I'm going to play some Dreamcast games. And that was one of the ones I tried to play, and it kept, cr- you know, kept crashing and data load errors and stuff like that. But Dreamcast absolutely, like a lot of things Sega did, uh, was a little bit ahead of its time. And, uh, you know, fine, you know, it had the ease of programming. It had the online capability. Uh, and other consoles caught up uh, a couple years later. But the Dreamcast was, was way ahead of its time. It's just it did not have the marketing juggernaut that Sony had and then and what Nintendo had, which is why it was like a distant, very distant third or fourth. And uh, uh, Breakman says, it's like if Android came out before the iPhone and was a total flop. I mean, to be fair, you know, I talk about Apple inventing things all the time. Uh, the tablet computer and the, uh, the I, I mean, there were touchscreen phones before the iPhone. They were considered flops. The Power PC was a was basically it, we called them PDAs as well, but like there were some that were both PDAs and phones at the same time. Uh, I had one. I had a Windows Mobile Five phone before the iPhone came out, and uh, yeah, it was kind of a flop. So uh, let's talk about Dragon Con, which is where I was last week here in Atlanta. Uh, you know, it was like twenty days long or something like that. It it starts early, uh, and. Um, uh, I've talked a lot about it already. So we have a series. We're doing some videos up on YouTube on the Vogue Network YouTube channel. Uh, so go to vognetworkcom slash at, or not Vogue but YouTube.com slash at Vogue Network. Uh, it's there. I think Vognetwork.com also has a link to it as well. Uh, but Rob and I talked a little bit about Dragon Con for about an hour and talked about, uh, you know, what we think the con could have done better, what it could have, you know, what it, you know, uh, did well, what we liked, uh, some of the things we didn't like, some of the stuff that happened uh, during there that, uh, you know, c- should be, you know, somehow fixed, if not by the con, by the city, stuff like that. And uh, so I'm not going to rehash a lot of that. Uh, I will say that the panels I were on, uh, they all went really well. Uh, one of them is actually available. Uh, you can actually watch one of the panels. Uh, the one about how about streaming after you are 40. So that is the one that uh, that uh, we, we did. And uh, you can even go ahead and see it on uh, the Dragon Con, the DC Digital Media uh, YouTube channel. And uh, it was myself. It was Rob Roberts and and uh, not Vobie Kurt. It's VO by Kurt. He's in the center. He's also in chat. How you doing, Kurt? It's good to see you. Uh, and it was basically us talking about how do you... Uh, relate to uh, viewers that are under 40, because a lot of people that are, do watch Twitch uh, are under 40, even though this this audience right here probably skews a little bit older because um, I've seen some of you guys for many, many years. But uh, how do you do that? And also, how do you, uh, you know, counteract your responsibilities in your day-to-day life? And, you know, because, like, as we get older, we have more responsibilities. We have bills to pay, things to do... Th- children, stuff like that. Uh, not all of us have children, 
But, you know, there are other responsibilities uh, that maybe we, you know, younger people on Twitch don't have if they are able to do a full-time Twitch stream. So um, that's, uh, so we talked all about that and we took questions from the audience uh, and, uh, and stuff. And, and it was, it was fun. It was good. Uh, pod culture was in the audience. Brad was in the audience. So thank you so much for that. Um, it was a nice little cozy crowd. It was not as big as the ver- version we did last year because we had some really big name podcasters that if I said their name, you'd recognize who they are. Uh, and so it was basically line out the door and it was mostly their fans wanting to ask them questions about their podcast. Uh, so this one was really more about us. And uh, we got to actually talk about the topic, and I think it was it was really well received and went really well. Uh, so thank you so much, Rob and Kurt, for being on the panel for me. We did have a fourth person uh, that was going to join, uh, but they are also credentialed media at DragonCon, and they had a very big interview for their uh, content, and uh, they basically double booked. And um, she was like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, no, no. That interview, that media commitment, that is way more important than this panel. It is totally fine. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so it, it w- but it went really well. It is available on the YouTube channel. Uh, the other two panels that I did for the video game track, they will be up on their YouTube channel as well. Uh, so we're talking about neighborhoods, building a better community and AI and chat GPT. The impact on content creators. That panel had people, they were turning people away. Uh, it, it had a line out the door, and uh, they had to get people, there's no standing room in there. The fire marshal won't allow it. Uh, and uh, we had a good chat about uh, AI and chat GPT, and uh, we didn't take as many questions as the moderator wanted, but there was a lot of information to get through about uh, you know what it does, what it doesn't do. And that also will be up on YouTube. If you want to watch it now... Um, you probably actually can't because it's on a, it was on their DC digital media track Two Twitch channel, which means the VODs are gone. Uh, cause the VODs only stayed, they're not affiliates. So their VODs left after seven days. So they have it and they're going to upload it over to their YouTube channel, probably sometime in the next week or two. We will let you know, uh, when, when that is, uh, when that's up. But, uh, right now, as of September 10th, the thriving on streaming media after 40 panel, that is the one that they had just uploaded. I think like an hour or two ago, uh, up to up to their YouTube channel. YYR says, you say really big podcasters, but to be honest, I don't pay attention to podcasts outside of Vogue. Uh, so I doubt I have heard of these people. Um, yeah, so if, if you listen to podcasts or uh, you uh, followed Joystick um, a while ago, um, back when Joystick was a thing, uh, you would have at least probably heard of one of the people on there because they came from that area. Uh, so, so yeah. So in, in terms of podcasts and, and stuff, um, the, the, the McElroys are, are pretty huge. And so we had two of them. They were, they were lovely, uh, when last year, when they were on their panel, we had two of them, including the one that was at joystick who I interacted with at like E3, like 15 years ago while he was at joystick, but they were lovely, but it was just like, they have a huge following. And so this, this panel did not have, we, we had our following, which was great, which was amazing. So uh, the, now the, pod, uh, the the ones I did for the video gaming track, uh, I did uh, I moderated a panel about playing tabletop RPGs online. That was pretty fun. Uh, talking to people that actually do, like, they're professional G- DMs. They do things online and all the systems. There's, like, 73 different virtual board game systems out there. Like, t- like Tabletop Simulator is one of them. There's 72 others, apparently. Uh, and then other, like, things to, you know, bring the D&D experience uh, to, 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 to virtual worlds. And so like, and so you don't have to be in the same room because while now, if you have a local group, that's fine, but there's still people that want to play that don't live near each other. And so that's a bigger topic. That's not going to go away. And, uh, there was something that was really interesting said by one of the panelists on there is that if you don't think that Baldur's Gate three, isn't prepping some kind of custom D and D, uh, D and D using D and D beyond, which is um, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast uh, virtual online D&D uh, hub. Uh, if you don't think that Baldur's Gate 3 isn't opening that up to where you can use the Baldur's Gate 3 engine to run your campaign online, uh, you're not paying attention. So that was, uh, that, that, that was kind of interesting, seeing like where they think we're going. Uh, they do think that we're going to be using AI and ChatGPT kind of as a rules lawyer. 
uh, so you don't so you don't have to think about it. you can you can actually just say hey you know in this system I want to do this and this and this what dice do I need to roll and you know all this and it will say well since you're these this many meters apart and your characters this, and there's this obstruction you're gonna need to roll this 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 and so you don't have to do all that yourself and then you just roll the die uh, and go on your merry way. And uh, so that was kind of interesting, like some of the stuff about that and about how, uh, you know, you can actually like create your all your campaign stuff online way easier than you can in person. The other uh, panel I did, what's new in Steve Jackson video games? Uh, Steve is lovely. Steve is an amazing person. Uh, Got to hang out uh, a little bit before and after. Uh, Went really well. Learned a little bit more about uh, Munchkin Digital the version of Munchkin that is on Steam right now. They're getting some more expansions and some more cards. Uh, can't go into any more detail on that. They are having a physical edition. He, we can talk about that, where um, they're going to sell Munchkin Digital Steam keys in stores, in, like, your game stores, where, like, Munchkin is sold. Uh, and it comes with, like, a USB drive that looks like one of the one of the weapons in Munchkin and it's got some cards in it and, you know, like actual physical cards you can put in your game. And then those cards also get added to your steam so you can play them in steam. Uh, so that, that was interesting there. They also talked a little bit about Illuminati online that they've got. Uh, and uh, there was some discussion about car wars, which was a, a game that uh, Irene, who was also on the panel, uh, she's the line editor for car wars. And so there was a little bit of discussion about car wars. So that actually went well. Uh, those panels were actually pretty fun. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, that, that was good. Uh, those panels were not recorded. The video game track does not record their panels. Uh, so, unfortunately, uh, I have pictures, and that's about it. I don't have much anything else. Uh, and then um, the last panel I did was on the independent film track, so that was fun. It was about AI, what everybody's so worried about. I was up there with filmmakers and directors and writers and people who've been working on film for 20 years, and so I'm like, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, but that one also went really well, especially because I was the de facto moderator because the moderator uh, had something else come up and could not be there. And uh, so I wound up running that panel as well. And uh, it was interesting because there was two different audiences between the AI panel for podcasts and about how you can use it for content creation and the AI panel that was made with people who want to get into film and filmmakers and writers and, and, you know, people who, you know, what can you, you know, what is it really doing and what can I use it for? And is my job safe and stuff like that? Um, And uh, you know, it's one of the things that I did in both of those panels is I referenced one of you. So, um, there was, uh, a, we were, I've been talking to you. I don't know if you realize this. I was workshopping with y'all uh, about my thoughts on AI and, uh, you know, trying to give like a little more nuance. So I wasn't all burn it in a fire, which one of the panelists on the film tram, uh, uh, the film track, he was like, burn it all with fire. Like it's it, get rid of it, uh, destroy it. Um, and I didn't want to be that person, but I did want to talk. I, I did mention that there was somebody that listened that, you know, used, used to do art and, and just can't anymore, like physically can't. And uh, but what AI has allowed them to do is they are now able to do art again uh, because they physically can't do the pen, the paper or, or for whatever reason. And it's a tool and it's a very powerful tool if used correctly. So, um, you know, having that and people were like, oh, I never thought of it that way because I also had not thought about it that way until it was mentioned uh, here by, by one of you. So uh, that came up on both panels and like a lot of people like were like, oh. I get it. Like, that's a good tool. Now, then there were questions of, you know, was it trained on that person's specific art or was it trained on other people's art? And I was not, you know, I was like, I'm not trying to get into the specifics about this one specific thing, but we need to look at it as it can be an accessibility tool for people who maybe used to be able to do something but can't anymore, but still have those urges. Because when you do something like, and I mean, I, I see this all the time, like, cause I, I, I played drums for a long time. Uh, I'm not sure I could carry a drum anymore. Like I used to even five or six years ago. Uh, and that hurts my soul. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I almost said like, oh, it kills me that I can't do it. Well, no, it's not killing me, but it hurts my soul and having something, you know, and I'm sure that people who maybe were artists and can't draw can't do it anymore and it's not that they don't know how is that you know you can tell your body to do something and your body will say no like I, I can't do that anymore uh and that can hurt your soul 
and I can see, you know, AI being used as a tool to give you a little bit of that back. And I think we need to keep sight of that, that it's not all bad. Um, the what I was worried about is how society will use it and how people how people in power will use it. And, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, and I actually think in the long term, we're all going to be fine. Short term, it's going to suck. Uh, especially if you have a job that can be done by AI in the short term, it's going to suck in the long term. There's going to be new jobs created that use them as tools and we're going to be fine. So, you know, it's, and right now also all AI is, is predictive text It's just a really complex predictive text. And that's all it is. So, um, that was uh, a lot of the stuff at, uh, in my panels. And I did want to mention that there is a little bit of video gaming at dragon con and uh, so one of the things I do is I do try to uh, actually uh, show some of this. So I was going to walk through and actually show. Um, so this is one of the hotels, the hotel's cosplay. And one of the hotels actually cosplayed as the Super Mario Brothers uh, movie with Mario Kart uh, references around. I, I, and it's, it's really just Mario. Like they cosplayed as Super Mario. It's really based on the movie uh, and stuff like that. While I was filming this, there was actually a flash mob of swing dancers in the middle of, so I couldn't really get good footage uh, because there were all these swing dancers. Somebody just set down a speaker and, you know, there's a swing dancer and if I... So anyway, the, the sound's kind of bad because of where I am. Uh, but yes, yeah, so they were doing swing dancing. And so I finally got over and, and got over to the place. One of the Joy-Cons fell, but they had a big Switch, uh, Nintendo Switch stand up with like little like paper mache fire that you could take your picture with. Uh, out there. So that was kind of cool. And they had like some other Mario iconography around the place. Um, so, uh, but then I also wanted to show uh, the, uh, the, the digital media track because I always remember, realize I never take B-roll of the digital media track, even though I spend a lot of time down in there. So this is in between one of the panels uh, that I'm showing. Uh, and uh, just, you know, that we're in like a nice little room and, um, you know, sitting at a table talking about things and they've they've they're doing live streams there were two cameras in this main room one at the table one facing the audience so if you uh asked a question congratulations you were on youtube uh and uh i saw they they had a big thing that everybody signed all the panelists signed so i signed it there's me there's my signature um so uh if you like one piece netflix was there promoting one piece so there was uh, a big uh, truck right outside where the vendor's room in is. And we're not going to show you the vendor's room because I don't want to show other people's wares without, you know, buying them. And that's not fair to them. Um, but uh, this is the America's Mart. Uh, and this is where uh, a lot of the gaming was done in one of the America's Mart buildings. That's one of the, There's a complex of America's Mart buildings in downtown Atlanta. Uh, but there were a mix of classic arcade, uh, classic games, classic pinball. There's a World Cup uh, Soccer 94 over there. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is over there. But then also Save Point out of Maryland brought all, a lot of their Japanese arcade games, not Beat Mania 2DX. They only they had Beat Mania the final. Uh, that was the only Beat Mania. And they had a pop in music, a, a recent pop in music. But then some Dance Dance Revolution. There was a Pump It Up, a Dance Maniacs, a Groove Coaster. Uh, you know, a lot of like, if you've been to an anime convention, uh, and you've seen like the Japanese arcade games. It's essentially the standard selection of those, um, along with like U Beat and and stuff like that. Uh, so uh, and uh, Breakman says any non dance games. Most of them are non dance games. There's a Taiko no Tetsujin over there, uh, and they they also did bring like little candy cabs of like fighting games. So you would find all the people playing the fighting games. Uh, they had a pocket tournament that was there. It was full most of the time. Uh, now, unfortunately, unlike previous years, it is not 24-7. Uh, this area closes at 2 a.m. and opens back up at 7 a.m. Uh, so you cannot spend all night playing any of this stuff. Uh, and, but but when it's there, it's, it's you know, usually easy to, to get up thing. There was some uh, in, initial D cabinets networked together. This was kind of a fun little area. I went over here a couple times, played some pinball over there. Um and then, uh, like I said, here's some some of the candy cabs where people were playing fighting games. Uh, and then Joystick Arcade, uh, which is a local bar here in Atlanta, they have a lot of classic games. Their, their stick is classic games. So past all the Japanese arcade games are all the classic games from, uh, from, from the 90, 80s and 90s, really. 
Uh, and so including things like Mortal Kombat and, uh, or Mortal Kombat 2, I believe, is the one that they had there. Um, so this is where all the adults, the, the older people went and be like, I remember this stuff. Um, and then they had some more pinball uh, games in the back of there, uh, including a taxi that was down when I, when I was up there. I didn't get to play that many pinball games there because there was always a long line. And I didn't want to to stand too much in line for pinball because I've got a pinball. I went to a, just a pinball convention a couple couple weeks ago, and so I've gotten a lot of pinball in my system. Um, they had an X Men and stuff. Uh, so I and they also lined a little bit more past the the uh, the the Japanese area, uh, the Japanese gaming area. So there were. Uh, some games, unfortunately, that were down. Uh, there's a Donkey Kong. I'm not sure if it's an actual Donkey Kong or a MAME Donkey Kong. Uh, they did have an outrun, a stand-up outrun uh, there. And uh, so it was kind of neat. It, a, a lot of the games, they, they get a little bit of a beating, I will admit. Um, and so a lot of, sometimes they were down. A lot of them were down and stuff like that. So uh, that was the arcade game section. It was over in one corner. Uh, I'm bringing this just in case there's anybody here from the GDQ, from Games Done Quick. Uh, this is Kronkinol. This is the game I played a lot at GDQ. Uh, it's a dexterity game. It's kind of like curling, um, but but with little uh, little pucks, little tiny pucks that you flick. Uh, they did have kind of a, they did have a console gaming room, a fighting game room. They had esports tournaments and stuff. So there was a lot of people playing Smash Brothers. A lot of people playing. There was Mortal Kombat over there. Um. And uh, so you could sign up and play these. They had the consoles there that you could just play, rent for an hour, uh, or they had tournaments going on. They even had like esports casting. Like they were, they were these were actually casted by esports professionals. Uh, it was an actual tournament with like a cash prize for a lot of these things. They had a Mario Kart tournament as well. Uh, but I know like the Smash scene was was huge there. Uh, and then like the rest of it was, you know, your miniatures or board games or card games. They had a big Magic the Gathering tournament, which I believe is part of the tour of current Magic the Gathering stuff. Uh, so it's actually part of all that. And uh, then on the t- uh, floor above it, like this wide open area uh, was where you played D&D. So these were all your campaign games and you could walk up and join a session or you know you would you you would have a session and there was these round tables and it was this huge area uh with stuff and you could play D&D and it was very spacious and i think they could have done a little bit better with the state space um it's actually an apparel mart so it's like a wholesaler mart uh, like people for like retailers and stuff to come buy like apparel and you know clothes and stuff uh, but then also in uh, the the basement of the Hyatt, there were a couple more arcade games that kids were playing on uh, next to the Sweetwater 420 beer area. So, but yes, it was all kids. And those arcade cabinets got really uh, beat up and stuff. So that was the secret arcade. Um, and then, uh, and, and then uh, I've, I've got the last video here uh, was one of the concerts they att- that I attended. They had a bunch of concerts and, this one is, uh, they're called Cybertronic Spree. Imagine the Transformers. If the Transformers uh, decided to stop their, their, their current jobs of saving the world or universe or whatever. And decided to form a rock band instead. And so Cybertronic Spree, and what are, they, what are they singing right now? Let's see here. So they're singing the Pokemon theme. Uh, here, um, DJ Ramez, says Cybertronic Spree is so awesome. They 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 were good. the The acoustics in here weren't that great. Uh, like you can't really hear the guitar at all. And so I think it's 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 either the room or I was actually told the room was fine last year. It's whatever was going on. The mixer was just the mixing was bad that night. Um, so Fifth Room said, "Asked, do they do Dare to Be Stupid? Yes, they actually did. Uh, so yes, they 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 played that. They played um." Like run to the hills, and then they they end with the touch by Stan Bush. Like that they've they've got the eighties down. Yeah. So yeah, and so uh, so yeah, so they, they they were pretty cool, and that's what I ended the video with. I took some video of this um, epileptic warning, so. 
uh, they, they flashed the lights at the audience a whole lot in that, and that was a little bit in the video, so I apologize for that. So there's my videos from Dragon Con. Uh, it was um, it was a lot of fun, and uh, I can't wait to go next year, and hopefully I will be doing some other really cool stuff next year, and that'll be uh, a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, and if you want to find out more about Dragon Con, you can either look up our video on the Vogue Network YouTube channel or go to the DC Digital Media track, uh, and I think it's d- youtube.com slash DC Digital Media. And you will be able to see at least the stuff on the digital media track, stuff that we had been there, including panels that I was on, panels Rob was on, uh, and stuff like that. So because I wasn't here two weeks ago, I didn't actually get to talk about this. And I was like, you know what? I'll talk about this uh, specific thing because I I ordered this. So once again, I am you know putting my money where my mouth is and ordering something that may or may not be as cool as what it says. So... Um, this is talking about Atari. Ars Technica reports that Atari announced that the Atari 2600 Plus, a, retro, a $130 retro console with a cartridge slot that can accept vintage and modern Atari 2600 and 7800 cartridges, plus a $25 CX40 joystick and $40, and $40 CX30 paddle controllers bundle that appear to more or less faithfully recreate the uh, originals. All items are currently available for pre-order and will ship in November of 2023. The console includes a 10-in-1 game cartridge with Adventure, Combat, Missile Command, Haunted House, Yars Revenge, and a few other 2600 games. The Atari 2600 Plus takes its uh, design cues from an early 1980s revision of the original console with fake wood grain on the front and four control switches. But Atari says the console is only 80% as large as the original console, quote, making it easier to fit into modern living spaces, unquote. The console also has an HDMI output and uses USB-C for power. The thing about the 2600 Plus that may turn off some retro gaming enthusiasts, however, is that it uses a software emulator to play games on a Rockchip 3128 ARM SoC. Uh, so this is the same approach taken by some aftermarket consoles that take the uh, hardware cartridge software emulator route, like Hyperkin's Retron 77, which runs a version of the Stella emulator. Software emulation can add input lag and introduce inaccuracies that weren't present present on the original hardware. And Atari's compatibility list for the 2600 Plus lists a handful of unplayable games that may and many more untested ones, despite the no cartridge left behind marketing copy. That said, there are several games marked as playable on Atari's compatibility list that are not compatible with the Retron 77. Uh, so, really, honestly, if it was an FPGA console, uh, which is um, a f- field programmable gate array. Uh, what those are, uh, and you're going to hear, you'd hear a lot, like a lot about that, like Mist, Mistier, M-I-S-T. Uh, that's an FPGA. Or the Analog Pocket, I believe, is also an FPGA. That is a chip that you can actually program to be the hardware. So you basically make the chip the hardware. Where this is, they're using software to emulate it. That's actually hardware emulation. So, um, so uh, they that costs money, and so they wanted to keep the price down. Um, now, the system also includes 256 megs of RAM and 256 megs of storage, uh, enough to open the possibility the device may be hackable. Of course, it's going to be hackable. They're gonna... It's already hacked. It's not even out. Nobody has it yet, and they've already hacked it. Uh, and it could be usable to run under other kinds of games, such as the NES and SNES Classic editions were. Uh, the Atari 2600 Plus is not to be confused with the VCS and uh, uh, an AMD Ryzen-powered but aging mini desktop PC that also emulates old Atari games, but a few other things on top of that. So... Uh, I am, there was a question here, YYRS, I wonder if the 10 in one cart will work on the original console. Well, good news, I have an original console, and yes, I am actually going to check that to see if it's an actual cartridge that can be used in a real Atari, or if it is made specifically for this emulator. Um, so, the other neat thing that's about it, uh, about it is that it uses the same, te- uh, like, 9-pin connector. Uh, that the actual controllers had at the time. And so they even say that their controller that comes with can be used in original hardware. What I don't know is if the other, the opposite is true. If can original hardware controllers from the original Atari, can those work in this system? Uh, so that's going to be something that I'm going to be trying out. I'm going to be trying out a, a bunch of different games, uh, including some homebrew games that aren't on their compatibility list, because I have some. I have Halo 2600 by Ed Freeze. I'm going to try that in it. Um, it's got HDMI out, so I might be able to do it in, on stream. Um, so 
Uh, and YYR points out, that, yes, the Sager Master System, Genesis, and Commodore 64 use the same 9-pin connector. Uh, so they've got it here on the uh, 2600 Plus. What um, SJ Matt says, I have some older Atari cards that I would like to play again. This kind of just makes it easier without having to buy conversion boxes for newer TVs or buy a Trinitron somewhere. I, I bought a Trinitron off of Facebook Marketplace, like, or not, not off Facebook Marketplace, off, the, off of a Discord local discord server somebody was selling it and i bought it uh and uh it's still down it's still in my main gaming area or not it's, it's still in my main board gaming room because we haven't gotten the everything ready to actually take it down to the basement where it's going to live because it's heavy but it looks nice uh so i, I i'm getting that trinitron but this is going to be nice to have hdmi and it's going to work with cartridges now you're probably going to wonder why haven't people done this before like, why didn't the NES Classic do this? Why didn't the SNES Classic do this? And way back when, when I started this podcast in 2005, one of my first interviews was a telephone interview, like literally done over my landline during the day. And I had this little device that, you know, would, would intercept the cord. Like, that's how long ago this was. And it was by a man um, who is no longer with us, unfortunately, by the name of Kurt Vendell. And Kurt Vendell... Uh, I reached out to on the Atari Age forums, which, by the way, Atari just purchased the Atari Age forums. Uh, Atari purchased Moby Games last year. This year, they purchased the Atari Age forums. And Albert Yaruso, who has been the webmaster for decades, uh, is being brought on as an official historian for Atari. So, uh, not that I know, and I think I just buried the lead because I don't think a lot of you heard that before. Uh, I saw it just come across on on Blue Sky, I think is where I saw that come across. But yeah, Atari, uh, I, I don't know if the deal is final yet, but it has been discussed uh, that it is happening. And uh, But I reached out to Kurt because he did the Atari Flashback 2 and in uh, like 2005, 2006. So I, did a two, I, I had spent 40 minutes on the phone with him. Uh, and so I split it up over two episodes, 20 minutes each, uh, so I could talk about other things. Uh, we talked about it because what he did is the Atari Flashback 2 was an actual Atari 2600. It had the actual hardware. This was not emulation. This was not anything like that. And he included the pinouts to add a cartridge slot. And they even had directions online, not officially, but unofficially, where you would basically take a Dremel, cut out where the cartridge slot would be on the Atari Flashback. You would solder in a cartridge like a cartridge reader, solder it to the board, and it would happily accept your cartridges, and it would work on Atari Twenty Six Hundred that had RCA outputs. It had it had composite outputs because this was like two thousand six, so HDMI wasn't a thing. And we talked about well, why didn't they just include it? And he had a very good point when he mentioned it to me. He said, uh, "Customer service," and this is something that's going to be interesting about Atari is that they're going to say, oh, all your games are going to work. This is so you can get all those cartridges. Well, I'm going to tell you, most of those cartridges probably aren't going to work, depending on how they're stored. If they've been in the attic, if they've been in extreme weather environments, they're not going to work in this. And what Atari back in 2006, the Infogrames Atari, which whoever owned Atari at the time, they didn't want to deal with everybody saying, my cartridge doesn't work in your system. What's wrong? I want to refund I want a replacement cartridge. And they did not have the capability of doing that. They did not have the desire to do that. So that's why they didn't include it out of the box. If you modified the flashback to put in the cartridge port and followed all the directions, then they were no longer liable. But with this now, are they liable if your cartridge doesn't work? I don't know. But that is also why Nintendo uh, did not put any in their classics. They didn't put a cartridge spot because then now they would have to support all those cartridges that were probably improperly stored and probably don't work anymore. Maybe some of them have dead batteries now uh, that, you know, so save games don't work or other things don't work. And so they don't want to deal with the hassle of that, which is why they do what they did. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes on. Uh, I did when I posted this on social media at one point, I was told multiple times that the Retron 77 does this and it's, you can actually put games on an SD card. So you don't actually have to own the cartridges and, you know, that's why it's better. And uh, I bought this because uh, this is cool. And it plays 7,800 carts as well. Why does it not play 5,200 carts? Because those are different sizes. That's why. And so they wanted to make it look like an Atari 2600. The 7,800 carts fit. The 5,200 ones don't. But somebody may be able to hack it, and you may be able to put in a 5,200 cartridge connector in there. 
And then, uh, so that was that. The last story, uh, which I am running up to time, uh, close to time here, uh, is uh, about Sony. And, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. PlayStation Plus is raising its prices. Polygon reports that Sony is raising the price of the 12-month PlayStation Plus subscription across all plans in September. Subscribers can expect to pay at least $20 more annually at the base level known as PlayStation Plus Essential. They'll see bigger price hikes for extra and premium level subscriptions, including an additional $40 per year for the top tier PS Plus plan. So now, essential for 12 months is $79.99. It used to be $59.99. Extra is $134.99, up from $99.99. And premium is $159, up from $119. Uh, so they, they these price changes went into effect September 6th. So it's already happened it was also hidden way deep in the playstation blog they're like here's all this great stuff oh and we're raising the prices um they say quote this price adjustment will enable us to continue bringing high quality games and value-added benefits to your playstation plus subscription service unquote except they didn't announce what those were yet uh they just said we're raising the price and we're not giving you anything extra yet i really was like i sat here and going well i, I guess i'm not going to re-up you know because what do i use and the the thing that sony does which is what's going to get me at least to get done essential is cloud saves they lock that behind playstation plus essential i did not have playstation plus because i didn't play playstation games online uh when my initial ps3 got struck by lightning and i lost all my save games if I had PlayStation Plus, those save games would have been stored on the cloud. I was like 30-something hours into Final Fantasy XIII. I never finished it uh, because I lost my save game. That alone, also because I do have a PlayStation 4 and a PlayStation 5, and so I'd like to put my save games between them, you got to have PlayStation Plus Essential for that. So I will probably be ponying up the $79.99. I checked Costco does not sell these memberships for $5 cheaper, so I'm going to have to pay full price. Uh, my my subscription's up in October. So, oops. So, yeah, and QuestBuff says, as PlayStation Plus subscribers since day one, this change does not make me happy at all. I also use a USB stick to store all my saves as a backup. Well, you know, my thing is I didn't realize my console was going to hit by lightning. So uh, that that kind of sucks. Um, and but I don't play many PlayStation games online. I think I played uh, I played Fall Guys online once, and th that's about it. I don't play many games online anymore, unfortunately. As Sharon Matt says, it's kind of nonsense though that your save game from a game you already bought is paywalled. But whatever. I mean, the, I have the save game. It's just I can't put it. I can't use the cloud to put it on another system. I can absolutely do a USB stick and change them from one thing to another. Um, so uh, I'm uh, I'm probably going to be winding up paying this uh, without playing any online games. So if you want to play an online game with me on PlayStation, we we can do that. Make it worth make it make it a little bit worth my while and make it worth your while too, I guess. Um, so yeah, so that's the that was the news. I talked a lot. Um, I had an uh, a, a break song picked but it's already already 8:53 p.m. here on the east coast. Um so I'm not going to do that which also means I don't I just imagine there was a music break and imagine you heard the Charles Martinet bumper because obviously uh you know we we've we've all heard about Charles Martinet stepping down as the voice of Mario the man is in his 70s he wants to retire on top and you know what I I think he's totally fine with this because uh, now he doesn't have to strain his voice in a uh, voice actor booth going wahoo and all that stuff. Uh, but he still gets to travel the world, going to conventions and talking to people who love him. And I, he really enjoys doing that. And I think he's going to be just happy doing that uh, until he's ready to retire. Um, so I think that, um, I mean, Super Mario Wonder is going to have the new voice actor, uh, and I think it's going to be just fine. Um, but I, they did a video with Charles basically saying, hey, I'm now a Nintendo. I'm a Mario ambassador, which basically means now he gets to travel the world, see fans and not have to actually like strain his voice. And and he gets to go see some neat places because he doesn't spend all the time at the convention so he can go travel the world. Um, so and Breakman says he seems like a really nice guy, too. I'm happy for him. Yes, I have met him on two different occasions, uh, one through a video screen, which is where I got the bumper. That was E3 2006. And then I ran into him. Uh, I saw him at like uh, 
another, I want to say like a Momocon or something. And I met up with him and I'm like, you don't remember this, but you did this and it meant a lot to me. He's like, yeah, no, I, he did. Yeah, and obviously he didn't remember me specifically, but he's like, no, I, I really enjoy doing stuff like the bumpers for the, for people and, and doing that because, you know, it's a very small thing for him to do and it brings joy to other people. And, uh, so he was very thankful that I, uh, remembered him even if he didn't remember me. So, uh, so yeah, so, um, that's uh so we're not going to do a music break we're also not going to take anybody else's calls because uh I, I i talked a lot i like talking um so coming up next here on the voice geeks network at twitch.tv slash vog network is orange Lounge radio it's three people out in sacramento california they talk about games for much much longer than i do uh and we like to check in uh it, it's like i just saw uh this person just the other day sacramento are you there i am here bobby it's, it's like we you? just I feel like, yeah it's feel like i just saw you a week ago yeah, i know we yeah. we and and i just saw you again wednesday and i just saw you again whatever i mean <laughs> you did you did come in you did not actually take any of my high scores this time so i'm very thankful for that no and and it, i was surprised how few attempts there were but we had a shindig on monday night yeah. after the con that we didn't do in 2022 so you can probably thank that for cutting into the uh time yeah. spent in black wolf arcade but yeah alan got to participate at black wolf yeah. arcade this year which was fun he, yeah. he unfortunately did not get any high scores on your table no. either at least as far as i know but no, um yeah no it was cool for us to uh explore and all that stuff and Breakman, nothing nothing bad at all we got we got to uh we got to go do something else with some dragon con friends yeah. that we just didn't get to do in 2022 for uh other reasons so it's it all good things uh and and did i sabotage the tables no i didn't um uh there's just you know i didn't let you play long that was what it was yeah but i got that nice picture and i got like a video and stuff that i posted up on on our discord of you you and your your little your little um your little eating grin uh, thinking you were going to take my top score on Mandalorian, and you didn't. So no, I didn't. I didn't. But uh, but uh, I love that picture you got of Alan and yeah. I. I put that on all my socials. It was great. Yeah. Um. So and and the arcade's still in progress. You got to see my inherited pinball machine uh, mm-hmm. that I've got to clean up a little bit, and you know some stuff. So we're uh, actively doing more things down there. So it'll look even different the next time you get to come out in a year. Um, which uh you you mean me and alan yes. coming back out in a year since alan has said he's coming back all right so uh, is so alan's in alan's yeah Al, alan alan's, alan's in. bought in now okay mm-hmm. that's good because it was fun he was fun uh how, how did he take to it because we were going to talk about this on the on the other um on the other show but we really didn't yeah, get into it focusing on school and with um, us being gone for a week he really had to focus on that so he couldn't really um, participate with that but um, I think he was mostly just overwhelmed with the number of people there were and just the fact that you know around every corner there's like a a whole new floor of a hotel with a bunch of stuff going on like it it can be overwhelming how much there is to do yeah Um, but I think uh, he's really excited for the potential of who he can see next year and Mm -hmm. maybe getting involved to some extent with some of the panels uh, like we do he has some really good ideas so we'll see what happens yeah and uh i will say that the the new uh new new game i started playing thanks to you and my wife uh because you got my wife turned on to it and then i finally picked it up uh, a mobile game i don't normally play these mobile games i'm not i'm I, I don't normally do it uh but pikmin bloom is actually a really good passive game the thing about pokemon go that i didn't didn't enjoy as much is that if i was taking a walk i'd have to stop to catch a pokemon if i didn't want to like use the little pokeball and stuff where this pikmin bloom it's like hey you need to walk and i go and walk and then at the end i reap all the rewards and i i leveled up to like level 13 in just one weekend because of everybody around so that was the best time to start yeah it really was and it's almost like i've been saying this for a year that poke or excuse me pikmin bloom is a great passive game yeah uh, and in some ways is niantic's strongest game right now in my yeah. opinion and uh, Mike Def says, I can't remember if I have uh, Black Wolf on my friends list. You're actually on my friends list in Pikmin Bloom, but you don't play anymore, so I don't send you anything. But if you play Pikmin Bloom, uh, let, let us know. We've got a, a Let's Game con- uh, Together channel in our Discord, vognerbert.com slash Discord. Drop your friend code in there, because literally all I have is, like, I have Deft, who doesn't play. And then I have my wife, I have Rob and Alan, and then I did get Kurt. So I got Kurt's 
Oh, well, I don't even think I have so. Kurt. I need oh. to get on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get, get Kurt on there. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I got into to, to Pikmin Bloom and uh, still playing it a week later, like still going on walks and stuff. We have a flower near the house. And we, we, that we might, made it. That might be a long term commitment for Bobby Black. I know. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Good yeah. for you. So, uh, yeah. And so I've got a whole bunch of uh, uh, postcards from Dragon Con if you want to see some stuff. So, uh, people, because you know, so, Dark Tessia says, I may go, you know, play again and find my code. Yeah. Yeah. If you want the Traders Vix Tiki Idol, I probably have 20 of those postcards. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so that, that was my Dragon Con, and um, hopefully there's going to be more good stuff going on in the future. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you for covering for me for the, in the past two weeks, uh, or at least two weeks ago when I couldn't be here at the last minute. Um, but, uh, you know, so. No uh, worries. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, no, I'm feeling way better now. Uh, so what are you going to be talking about on Orange Lounge Radio tonight? Well, since I just got back from Dragon Con, let's talk about PAX. Uh, no, <laughs> well, the thing is, there was some news that came out of that while we were distracted in Atlanta. So we should, probably should talk about yeah. some things like Final Fantasy 16 and some of the updates they've confirmed for that. Yeah. Uh, also kind of snuck in there around uh, all that news was the uh, closure of a pretty major gaming studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll talk about that as well tonight. Uh, lots of news to catch up on tonight. So we will get into all of it coming up on OLR. And I will just say it's a kick in the teeth that they're like, oh, we closed the game studio. And then immediately the game, the last game they made goes on PlayStation Plus Essential. Yeah. Orange Still L- doesn't make the price increase worth it. No. Uh, Orange Lounge Radio is up next. If you want to find out who closed, Breakman, you got to, well, it can be spoiled in chat or you got to listen to Orange Lounge <laughs> Radio. Thanks so much, Rob. All right. Thank you, Bobby. As always, take care. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Vog Network. Uh, come join us and interact with the show directly. But the following week, I'm pretty sure I'm doing my math right. The following week, I won't be here. So you'll have me next week. I won't be here the following week. I should be back the follow- the week after. Uh, so uh, doing doing a little bit of traveling. Uh, so I won't be able to make it here to the show in two weeks. But I should be here next week. Uh, I look forward to seeing you all then. Thank you so much for being here after me being gone for two weeks, especially when one of those was an unplanned absence. I did not plan to be gone two weeks ago. Uh, I was actually trying to figure out if I could stomach the pain so I could still do the show. No, I couldn't. Uh, So anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, find us uh, on social media at Bobby Black Wolf just about everywhere. BobbyBlackWolf.com on Blue Sky. Uh, I've actually started learning how to make feeds on blue sky so i've got like a dragon con feed i've got some sports feeds and stuff for sports teams and stuff uh that's the killer feature of blue sky if you want to get into blue sky i do have some invites available so reach out to me on our discord vognetwork.com slash discord uh and uh i can get you an invite code if you wish uh and uh but i'm also on facebook and instagram and tiktok uh i actually posted something about starfield on my tiktok it's a little stupid thing it's not me talking but uh, I have been playing Starfield. Uh, I've been playing Making of Kar- Karatika. And uh, you might hear more about some of that stuff elsewhere during the week. Uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make this live show work without the help of the chatters who go above and beyond, which we had a lot of tonight. Let's let's start from the very beginning here. Rob Roberts resubscribed. Thank you so much for that. Dark Tetsuya resubscribed. Happy 32-month anniversary plus 17-month strength uh, streak. Hashtag Twitch math is weird. It is. Uh, Tiger Claw resubscribed saying, so I resubscribed. Then I resubscribed, contributing to the hype because we got a hype train. And so when we do a hype train, uh, I give subs. And since the show actually hadn't started yet, we were still in the beginning of the show. I was able to gift some subs to our Twitch channel so you can see our VODs uh, immediately. So congratulations to VXJasonXV, DJ Rama S, Rekin Elite, VO by Kurt, and Spyro Jonathan for your gift subs. You're welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we did get a uh, new follower. Thank you so much, Sean Peds, for the follow. Uh, Sean322 cheered 200 bits saying, Hoop! I'm going to do it the GDQ way. S. Jared Matt cheered 250 bits. DJ Rama S. cheered 100 bits. Rob Roberts cheered 162 bits. And I believe that 
concluded the hype train. Yes, that concluded the hype train. Thank you so much for that. And then YYR resubscribed as well as Dark Sakura. So thank you so much for that. All of that helps us, uh, you know, just keep everything even. We're not we're not trying to make money on this, but you know, paying the costs of Vogue is really the the best thing. And so you you, you being here is the best. Uh, those that go above and beyond, um, that's just the cherry on top, and we appreciate it. If you can, if you cannot, I hope you enjoy the content, and uh, I, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening as I hit this button to let the music play so I can get out of here and uh, revel in all the love from the hype train. Thank you so much. I will see you next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.